The Cannabis Conversation. A European perspective on the emerging legal cannabis industry. Welcome to the Cannabis Conversation with the News Desai, where we explore the new legal cannabis industry by speaking to the professionals that are helping to shape it. On today's show, we've got JJ O'Brien. JJ is Chief Strategy Officer at PAX Labs. PAX, for those that don't know, is a Silicon Valley vaporizer company that make a couple of different types of vape devices, very popular in the US and Canada. Welcome, JJ. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, no, glad to have you. We're enjoying the... uh, Festive, cold winter in London. <laughs> we had some wonderful mulled cider last night as we walked around. That's what makes it all worth it, I think. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for, for coming on. PAX is obviously a massive company doing some great things in the US, but maybe not as familiar in, in the UK. So it'd be great to hear about what you guys are up to. But maybe we start to begin with a bit about yourself. You know, what's your backstory? Yeah. How did you... Uh, start working at PAX, etc. Yeah, so I started my career as a kind of consultant finance junkie before going off to business school um, and then kind of worked for a couple of years at Capital One in their innovation lab before deciding to make the move into cannabis. And, you know, I've been working in the space since about 2014. In 2016, I joined PAX as a general manager of our era business, which is our, um, at least for now, U.S., but soon to be Canada, um, focused extract vaporizer um, that was really kind of our first foray outside of our traditional PAX product line. Um, and so my initial job was kind of helping bring that to different markets. Um, we originally launched in California, Colorado. We're now in 18 states. Um, and again, soon to be throughout Canada, um, except for Quebec for right now. And then, yeah, helping think about kind of the future of the company as we think about the industry, how it plays out and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been great. Great. I mean... Part of the theme of my show is actually talking about career change. Have you found that transition from a very kind of, let's say, conservative financial <laughs> services background over to the crazy world of cannabis? Yeah, I, it's funny. I graduated business school in 2011 um, out in the Bay Area. And when I graduated, I remember thinking, my friends were like, oh, you should get in cannabis. I've been a medicinal patient since I moved out there. I was like, well, it, it's super interesting, but it, it didn't really, it felt like a career risk. Mm-hmm. It felt like I, I, you're not really sure how this is going is to be. Real? Is it real? Is it real? Are there real businesses there? Can you go raise money? Can you do, do this? And I remember in 2014, you know, January of that year, Colorado started recreational sales for the first time. And by that summer, Washington had opened up as well. You know, they had been voted in in 2012. And at that point in time, most folks were kind of a bit unaware of like how this was all going to look was the federal government really going to let them just like sell cannabis into stores and you know and so by this point in 2000 late 2014 when I kind of decided to make the jump into the space I had felt that there was kind of no going back from where we were going it seemed like there was enough for momentum you know people were starting to raise money there were investors looking to put money to work in the space now not a ton but there were some Um, and I remember being like no like, this is, this is real. This is, like, going to be a place where I can, you know, use this very expensive MBA that I just paid for and, you know, and put it to work yeah. and put it to work in new and interesting ways. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, especially coming from Silicon Valley, going to business school in Silicon Valley and, like, kind of, 
you know, 2010, 2011-ish time period. And, you know, everything was tech. Everybody had an app idea. Everybody wanted to create this. It was, and the, that industry tech is, you know, you, you come out with a product or an idea. And if you're really innovative, if you're like Facebook creating social networks, you know, you may, you, Mark Zuckerberg probably when he was in his dorm room in Harvard didn't have the fully baked out business plan mm. and couldn't really predict with a ton of clarity how Facebook was going to look in 10 years time. You know, the, what they would create, the, that he'd be testifying in front of Congress, that, you know, you think of the, the like, and you had no clue to predict how that would, you, you could predict the next couple of years, you could predict what user engagement and all that would look like, but you couldn't really predict that big picture. You know, cannabis is the opposite, in my opinion. Like, it's very easy for us to sit back and say, this is what the market's going to look like in a fully legalized environment and however many years you think that is. The hurdle is, is that nobody knows when that's going to come, how long it's going to take, what that process and what that in between is. You know, it's much harder in cannabis to try to figure out what two years looks like than 20 years. Looks mm. like. Yeah, this is a consumer product. Yeah. And it looks going to look a lot like a lot of other consumer products, whether it be alcohol or maybe tobacco or maybe neither of them. But, you know, it's going to be a consumer product. People are going to want to enjoy it with friends or want to enjoy it out of home. They want to, you know, and you, you can kind of see how that looks like. But, you know, that in between, yeah. which we're living right now, and we're going to continue to live for the indefinite future is the part where it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, but that's what makes it exciting. Exactly. It definitely makes it exciting, I think. And, and the, the things that are happening in the U.S., state versus federal, is a similar pattern to what's happening in Europe in terms of zero harmonization. But it makes it interesting because there's lots of opportunities in the margins and how everyone's doing it slightly differently. So, yeah. But I think, you know, the, the, the tough part about that is that even in the U.S., you know, while people think of it as this very developed market, it, for cannabis, it is extremely developed. It is still not federally legal. It is still governed exclusively on the state level. You know, product can't move across state lines. So, you know, you buy a product in Massachusetts, that product was grown in Massachusetts. You know, guess what? It's a lot easier and nicer to grow cannabis, you know, in Northern California or in like, you know, coastal, like high desert Washington. But, you know, you have to buy it in Massachusetts grown indoors and, you know, by folks who've only doing it for like 18 months. Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's just all of these kind of movements and and it's and it is so hyper localized and, you know, you don't have the scale that you have, like you have to Canada. And now these folks who have, you know, access to banking, they can trade on public markets, you know, they can get tr true institutional investors involved, you know, they're scaling. And they're really at the forefront of like what that side of the market looks like. What does producing cannabis at scale look like? Because, mm. you know, it's never really been produced at scale before. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's always been hyper localized, hyper diversified, super, and even the early aspects within the industry. Mm -hmm. We're hyper, you get California and, you know, when, even when I started getting into PAX in 2016, it's like there were your Northern California cannabis companies and your Southern California cannabis companies, even though the product could move and this and that, it was just like UA had this moving the product around was always a liability, mm -hmm. you know, getting people to transport it, it was high net port. And so like, you know, there are people that just supplied Southern and not supplied Northern. It was yeah. just. And now that's breaking down a bit, but still, you know, in all of this stuff, it just... It's uh, amazing to realize that because I'm from here, 
wouldn't think that. You think there'd be people sort of covering the whole area, but well, I think what like most people, but it's I a big state, though. But I think what most people don't appreciate is you know California decriminalized cannabis in the late seventies and legalized for medicinal purposes in nineteen ninety six, and so that's now going on twenty four years next year that like medicinal cannabis has been legalized in the state of California. When they first legalized it, it was so polarizing of a topic that they, the state itself decided, hey, we're not going to put much effort in, you know, we're going to let the counties do it. And so they pushed down a lot of the regulation at the county level. And what that created was huge disparities on how it was regulated, how what you could do, what you couldn't do. There were things you could do in Northern California that you couldn't do in Southern California and vice versa. Now that's not the case, but, you know, it created this hyper-locality to the ecosystem as a whole that, you know, as we are starting to see scale, that scale is tough when you can't get a working capital loan from the bank, you know, and you need to find a way to go finance that elsewhere. And, you know, you're, there's these growing pains that are natural, especially when you have, you know, when you don't have the traditional infrastructure that most industries benefit from to help support it. There seems to be some progress in the Banking Act and things like that are sort of helping. Cannabis is still a Schedule One yeah. controlled substance. Until that changes, only so much progress can yeah, be made. Yeah, understood. I mean, we could talk about California yeah. for ages, but let's get back to uh, talking a bit about PAX. So maybe you could just introduce PAX as a business. And, you know, it, we have Jewel over here in the UK, so that's quite well known. But there was a relationship before, wasn't there, with PAX and Jewel? You know, we were one company before. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we originally, the original product the company had launched was called the Plume Vaporizer. Plume is still the number two e-cigarette in Japan brand. And that business was sold off to Japan Tobacco. when you know, we were after kind of the launch of the PAX One. And then off the back of the PAX, launched the PAX One, we launched the Jewel product alongside the PAX Two. You know, as the Jewel product started to pick up steam, you know, we realized that it was not, you know, these were two separate companies serving two very different needs, two very different consumer bases, and did not make sense anymore, you know, to cohabitate. You know, they were, they were both vaporizers, but outside of being vaporizers, you know, everything else about them was just so drastically different that it made no sense to, and so, we, you know, made the decision pretty early on to split the companies into operate them as complete, you know, separate boards, investors, all of that. Um, and we've been that way for now, like, oh, well over two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with that was also a drastic step in our direction towards, you know, kind of owning a bit of our cannabis heritage. Um, uh, you know, our, we, 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 our original product, the PAX, is a loosely vaporizer, um, you know, and we really wanted with our era product to really get closer to that kind of, you know, cannabis heritage that people have been associating with our brand. Um, you know, we are a vaporizer company. Um, we are, a, in essence, a hardware company. Um, we sell our era products to cannabis companies who then refill them and sell those back to consumers. So you guys don't make the pods for the era? No, we, we just make the hardware. Right. Um, and so, and we sell that hardware to, you know, what ends up being cannabis companies who then sell those on to the consumers. Um, you know, and I think what we've really built our brand around and what, like I always say, PAX is, you know, we given our heritage in the space, um, we launched the PAX one, eight years ago next year. 
so yeah, it's coming up on its eighth anniversary next summer. Um, and that was a you know that was at a time when people would vaporize things like with a desktop vape, like blowing into a big bag. <laughs> you know, not saying that like some that product isn't a fantastic product to vaporize. It's just it didn't necessarily speak to consumers that you know wanted a bit of discretion. Yeah, wanted a bit you know something that felt more like other items in their home mm. not like this thing they had to hide whenever their friends came home. <laughs> yeah yeah um and i think with that heritage and with that design like we had a 10-year warranty on our original pax one that holds on our pax three today that was unheard of for cannabis especially a like vaporizer product at that time mm. you know you can go on reddit and you see i love doing it you see these folks who have these like six-year-old pax ones that they're using almost every day that's still trucking away. You know, they have them like design, they do that. It's just like, and you know, we built something that we were happy putting our name behind, happy putting, you know, a 10 year warranty behind. And, you know, people read that as well. This is a quality that we have not seen in the space mm-hmm. to this time, um, especially something designed so well. Yeah. And I think we try to take that, especially with our era product, you know, in a space where there are so many different, cartridge or odd based vaporizer systems for cannabis in the u.s you know we you know our cords are svelted our, our heating coils for our air are svelted in sweden you know they're assembled in the u.s and you know all of these things kind of play at how we think about the quality and taking steps that aren't asked of us to make sure that the consumer experience is one that is the safest to our knowledge is as best for the consumer and putting them forward and not cutting any corners just to get a product out there to meet consumer demand. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. Would you consider Pax a tech business then rather than the cannabis or a bit of both or neither? We are a technology company, yeah. you know, that sells hardware. Um, some of that hardware is used for cannabis and some of it's not. Right. right. You know, and that's how I think of our business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So you said you said the Pax Three is a loose leaf vape. How kind of well understood is that in the US? Is it pretty kind of you know that is that kind of a major consumption method? Historically, people used use it a lot before a you know both other options were available and not you know as as the like legal markets have spread in the US. Um, paired with folks' desire for a, like, discrete vaporizer, you know, there's been a lot of consumer demand for, you know, different form factors. Just more from a pure convenience factor more than anything else. Yeah. And that's really where we see the drive, is a drive towards convenience. You know, you are making trade-offs on the experience for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Cool. And and obviously there's been a bit of a vaping crisis in the U.S. It's got nothing to do with your types of products but it's more of a black market issue to to my understanding around oil cartridges but nonetheless it kind of tarnishes everyone how have you guys sort of dealt with that whole issue we've dealt with it by you know first off making sure that you know our products are tested thoroughly you know you know when things like the recent vape crisis hit we're like well we know we don't have any vitamin E acetate, which, you know, had come out as the main culprit, but like, well, let's make sure that there's nothing else going, you know? And so we did a full audit of like all of our 
customers' products. Mm-hmm. You know, because our customers put in different oils that we regulate and make sure they're safe. You know, we did an audit to make sure that they were safe. We dive deeper into some other aspects of this, and yeah. so we're constantly making sure that as new information comes available, that you know previous hypotheses about you know the safety of our product can be validated. Yeah. You know that we didn't have any black holes because that's a hurdle. Is that you know all of this stuff? We don't have years of scientific research to fall back upon. You know we're not going to have that for some time, and until we have that, no claims can really get made. Yeah. So we can only rely on like, you know, what our best effort is. And, you know, we put a lot of effort forward, yeah. a lot of effort forward. Yeah. And I suppose... And at least we... Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, reaffirming that you're working with good partners, etc. We curate our men, we yeah. curate everybody we work with, you know, and put a heavy hand on that curation. You know, yeah, again, strive that, you know, we're doing, you know, to the best of our abilities, making sure that everything gets out there. Um, is this, you know, yeah. top quality as possible. So as a kind of moving on from that, but as a uh, ancillary business, I suppose, in a kind of cannabis sense, are you less affected by that, the federal state kind of misalignment? Well, you know, as a technology hardware product or as a, you know, as a hardware consumable, you know, in the U.S. for cannabis, you know, we sell our products to different you know, experts in producing cannabis and producing the cannabis oil that goes into our product. It allows us, given that, to work with folks in every state, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the diversification thing, you know, every one of those is experts in their market that they're working in, with sourcing the best product, with extracting, with getting into retail, with, you know, all of that is so hyper-localized that, you know, our business models, no, we're not going to try to do it all, nor do we want to, nor should we, no, we're going to focus on what we do best and then find the folks that are doing the best on their end and partner with them. So yeah, it, it allows us to get into more markets a bit faster, you know, and really make sure that like, I believe that we can get a better product out there to consumers than, you know, if we just try to do it all ourselves, yeah. Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. it's just like, focus on what you're good at in this market and like, don't try to do too much. Yeah, no, completely. And you guys, are you active in Canada, I suppose, obviously being neighbors, but with a different, more open regulatory regime? Yeah, so Canada is really exciting for us. You know, in a couple of weeks, they will legalize concentrates, edibles, and vaporizer or vape pens. So that's a really exciting time for us. That is the first federally legal market. You know, they've had flour legalized for the last 12 months. That's been a huge success. And now we kind of get to go in and bring a at least a bit of product diversification to folks up there. Yeah. So it will be great. No, it's super exciting. I, I love going up there and just seeing how that industry's the market's changing. Great. I mean, as you described, you know, the tech business, hardware business, clearly product innovation is going to be a really key part of your strategy and the kind of DNA of what you guys do. What Have you got, like, exciting things that you can or can't share with me? Uh, I, I, I always say stay tuned. Uh, yeah, just stay tuned. Uh, we have a couple things, a couple big things. But maybe you can talk about it generally. Do you guys have like a, an innovation department, R&D? Oh, yeah. No, uh, like well over half our headcount is our engineering product um, teams, software, hardware. And yeah, we are based in San Francisco for a reason because, you know, that is our ethos. That is, you know, what our bread and butter is and that's what we're known for. And so, you know, as we think of where we 
where we hold our unique place in the cannabis industry, you know, being innovators in hardware, having a team that's capable of delivering on that and, you know, really bringing new innovation to cannabis consumers. Because um, it's not easy and there's not a ton of people doing it. There's people, there are a lot of people doing it, but, you know, to the extent that the investment, especially in the technology that we're bringing, given that it's hardware, given, you know, is is not the it's not the most straightforward or the easiest thing to kind of spin up and so yeah yeah I can imagine what what it kind of not necessarily in the vaping world but what what's what's exciting you in the general cannabis world uh, I mean there's probably loads of stuff but if you can name a couple yeah I think you know in cannabis especially domestically I think what excites me is you know um, about a month ago, the first cannabis consumption lounge in the U.S. opened about kind of, what, two miles from my house um, in L.A. And, you know, you go there, they have a cannabis waitress or waiter, they have a food waiter waitress. You can order a full menu, you flour, extracts, oils, pre-rolls. You can sit there and consume at the table while you're eating, while you're chatting with friends. You can sit there for a couple hours and... To have an experience like that, where you're like, I'm sitting, this isn't an Amsterdam coffee shop. As much as I love Amsterdam coffee shops, you know, this was like something I pay with my credit card yeah. that I like booked a reservation online with, you know, that I like had a valet outside for, you know, <laughs> like this was a very legitimate like menu, totally legal. And you're like, this is cool. Like, God, when I graduated business school, especially college did i ever think that like you know i'd be sitting here this soon like having this type of experience no no way not even when i got in the space like in 2014 <laughs> i think this, was, this part was going to happen that fast yeah. and i think it's you know you look at cannabis adoption or uh, cannabis acceptance in the u.s has continued to grow at rather exponential rates mm -hmm. especially in the last two to three years you know and especially across the aisle where both the majority of voters in both parties, Democrats definitely more than Republicans, but the majority of voters in both parties support legalizing cannabis on the federal level. And you know, th that's amazing. Yeah. That was not the case when I got into the industry five years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. You know, and to see that rapid change, to see folks realize, I think, a bit that you know, their previous beliefs on this were probably maybe a bit off. Um, and maybe more just ill-informed than anything else, that they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, you know, great. If you want to go do this, go do this. Like, you know, and, and to see that and to see how that cultural change is, ha is happening is really cool and exciting. And, you know, it's, it is the future of this, even if, you know, other markets around the world haven't yet to experience it yet. I mean, everyone is sort of cottoning on at their own speed in their own slightly different way but I agree with you it's one of my kind of things that I find most exciting is challenging those stigmas and kind of how it's changing the conversation has changed rapidly in the UK in the space of 18 months two years since I've been kind of involved in it so it's, it's amazing to see yeah. cool right so now we're, we're just on my trademark final question which is what did your parents say when you told them you were getting into the weed business? So my dad said, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, then like go at it. Um, you know, That's my, pretty cool. Yeah. My dad doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. Like he's a pretty straight edge guy. And he's like, if you're not doing anything illegal, like I, I don't, sure, great, awesome. You know, my mom, 
um, the first thing she said to me, and again, I grew up in Boston, um, and she's like, oh, well, this is like just like the Kennedys. Um, you know, JFK's father, John Kennedy's father, uh, was basically in the post-prohibition alcohol yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, made the family money off of the like legalization, re-legalization of alcohol. Um, and so my mom was like, it's just like the Kennedys. Like, yeah, uh, of course, you should totally go out and do that. So um, you were going to found a political dynasty then? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll see. You never know what the future holds. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a pretty cool reaction, actually. <laughs> I, th- I suppose you're in the right place for it, though. California seems to be... Yeah, I grew- my parents are, like, rather conservative Bostonians, so they were much more welcoming than I was expecting. I, they, I didn't expect them to, like, be like, oh my god, I can't believe this. You know, I, I think their biggest concern was more like, what would their friends think? Mm, yeah. You know, and when they like, when people asked them what I was doing, like, and I think at first they were a little bit timid, but not too timid, you know, and, but I think they very quickly realized that everybody they were telling, friends, like family members, all that, were all like, oh wow, like, good on them for like deciding to go into that. Like, yeah. You know, and as it's matured and as, it's, you know, my, you know, they're totally will tell everybody what I do. That's great. You know, they no reservations about it at all. Yeah. Um, I think that's great. I think particularly in the medical side of things and the therapeutic benefits that some people get, with that being more talked about, I think it definitely helps. Yeah. Cool. JJ, thank you so well, much. Thank you so much. It's been really good yeah. to have you on the show. It's been great to be here.